Hey guys, it's Drew with Comics for Fun and Profit. We have no show this week. We are all camping and in different directions, so apologize. But here is a rerun episode from uh, 2013, my very, very first podcast uh, when I was with Weekly Comics Spotlight as a co-host with John Mayo. So check that out and uh, enjoy. If you already heard it way back then... Uh, I apologize, um, but otherwise it's a neat blast from the past, uh, from the early days of Drew and his podcasting uh, weirdness. Uh, enjoy. Now, starting in DC, we're going to go over Nightwing number twenty. Now, Drew, I've been reading Nightwing really since he became Nightwing, even before then in the New Teen Titans and stuff. How much have you been reading this character? Um, New Fifty Two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So fairly recent. A year and a half, so, yeah. You enjoying the title? Yeah, I like it. This this issue, I don't know if it was just me, it felt a bit, frankly, a little bit off at the beginning. This issue had a lot of setup. I mean, we're pretty much starting a new story arc here, although really it started last issue and stuff. Right. But with the first couple of pages being very heavy on captions, the next scene kind of clearly, I don't want to say not related to the rest of the issue, but kind of setting up the the arc, if you will, with the cops and what they're finding and stuff. And then the third scene, we're getting the roommates and we're getting heavy dialogue and exposition and stuff like that. It felt like it took about half the issue for this thing to really get rolling. Yeah, I got that same sense. Um, although I, you know, I, I really wish that DC would do the recaps a little more um, for, cause I, I read 19, so I know mm-hmm. what's going on, but I, I was trying to put myself in somebody else's shoes reading this issue and picking it up and and i i would be, might be a little lost and uh, that nice recap page at the beginning we'll see in the in the in the, the marvel issue mm-hmm. next um is just really nice I, I run hot and cold on those i think sometimes they can be used as a writing crutch oh, okay and i've seen a few times they did this once or twice over in punisher where they'll kind of sneak some things in there that they don't really establish in the story itself it's a good way to put a band-aid over poor writing in the issue before and Pretty say, much. Well, what I meant to say was X, Y, and Z. It's uh, like I gotcha. it's like if you marathon a uh, TV series that's got kind of that arc aspect to it. You watch one episode, you start the next, and they do the previously on, and they recap a scene that you literally just saw a few moments ago, and the dialogue's just a little different. It puts just a slightly different spin on it, or something, or they reveal something. It's like, wait, I've just watched the last six episodes, you know, last night or two, or whatever. I know that wasn't there. It's it's not well. I, frankly, I do think it's cheating to a degree. But I think you bring up a valid point here because even though I had read nineteen and all the other stuff before it, I'm getting here and it's like, oh yeah, he's in Chicago now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got these new roommates. Yeah. So something to to jog the memory and stuff. And I, you know, again, I think Marvel's doing a pretty good job with that. So some of their titles, the ones that I that I've read, I really like the little recap and. You know, I, I kind of go back to the the comic could be the, somebody's first comic, and uh, it certainly it's should nice. be able to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a nice ramp up, and and it, I think it's a, a little more difficult for the writers to incorporate the recap stuff, the language into the story, mm-hmm. and then I find that a little heavy handed when they try to say you know inner dialogue or inner monologue or whatever to 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 give you the recap stuff that they could have just thrown on a on a splash page at the beginning. Well, and I think in this day and age where everything's getting collected to trade, doing the the more old school style, uh, almost Claremont writing 
where, you know, every issue Wolverine would say he's the best he is at what he does. Storm would remind yeah. us she's claustrophobic, you know, all that kind of stuff. It gets redundant when you would read that in a trade. Whereas if those sorts of things are kind of tossed, like you said, on that, that intro recap previously on page, where they can just do the headshots, give the names, the basic, oh yeah, he's a, a mutant, uh, you know, brawler with a healing pass, uh, power or whatever, you know, this is Captain America, you know, whatever. Um, you're right, it does facilitate a certain aspect of, I don't want to say storytelling, but it, it almost takes the place of the, uh, the opening credits for a TV show. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it's, it's really, it's really nice for you if you have not read that title. And I mean, it's a really nice quick ramp up and it, it gets you, get you where you need to be. And then you don't have to read it if you already read the title. It's an easy, it's an easy page to skip in my yeah. mind. I think it should be mandatory. <laughs> it gives them the best of both worlds, and I think that's a smart move. Because, like you said, every comic should be able to be somebody's first, and I think that certainly helps along that that route. If it gets to where you can't understand the rest of the issue without having read it, that's when I think it becomes a crutch and can be a, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really got me with this, and I don't want to give away too much of the story here, but the the cliffhanger that this issue ended on. I found really interesting, but it hinged on a technical aspect that, frankly, I'm just not buying into. We'll get a, a, probably a little bit more into the spoiler aspect than, than normally I would, but this this just didn't work for me. Okay. The whole bit with Nightwing's heads-up display on his mask, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the villain here is the prankster who, you know, hacks the thing easily and nearly instantly and then sets the whole thing to, to go black, now, I'll, I'll forgo the whole how quickly he, he hacked it and how easily he did. Bit of a stretch, but, you know, they're establishing the character. He's a master hacker. Fine. Not a problem. And I'm not a hardware expert by any means. Certainly not an expert on heads-up displays or, or this fictional mask of Nightwings, much less how all that fits in that tiny little spot. But to me, this seems like it's working kind of like a, a monitor or a, a, a TV projector kind of a system. And when you set the screen to black... That's kind of like it's projecting nothing, not it's actually projecting the color black. It's not like it's, you know, ink that's been sprayed, you know, onto the lens or something. Does that, I mean, do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I see what you're saying. The whole blinding him that way is is a key aspect of the, the cliffhanger. And it's like, just from a technical point of view, it, it just kind of, you know, didn't work for me, which is frustrating because I could think of three or four ways they could have done something similar. I mean, just have it flash random images or flash really bright in his eyes and blind him or something, you know, a few things along those lines to do the same effect, but maybe in a more technologically, at least to me, believable way. And that's that's one of the problems they have, not just not here, but just in general, when they try to do, I don't want to say something clever, although I frankly, I did think this was clever, both, you know, how the uh, the prankster kind of attacked him and then what the actual dilemma is at the end. It was something that seemed inventive and something... I mean, I've read tons and tons and tons of comics, watched tons of TV shows and movies and whatnot, and this is something It's like, wow, they actually pulled out something new, and I liked that. But I just was left thinking how wildly dangerous this technology is for somebody in Nightwing's line of business. And if he could be blinded like that or something, I mean, I, frankly, why on earth would he use that technology? It just seems so dangerous. Um, I mean, he'd, he'd be out, you know, swinging from, you know, building to building or whatever, like a, a trapeze artist would or something. And if, boom, he could go blind, seems, I don't know, kind of fatal. But, I don't know, that's, to me, 
That's something that, that sticks out at me, but is also a bit of a nitpick. It didn't really hamper the end of the story for me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch it the same way you did. I didn't, uh, I didn't think of it that way. But now that you mention it, I can, I can definitely see, see what you're saying. I mean, what I like though is, is it wasn't hinging so much on that particular aspect to ruin the story. It's just, it, it stuck at me, but the, the actual predicament that he's in at the end, I, I, I really like. And I, I haven't decided if I like this prankster character or not yet. Uh, we've only had an issue or two, uh, with the character, although he's, uh, the character's clearly gonna be here for the whole arc. Um, do you have any guesses if we have seen this character elsewhere in the story or not? No, I didn't, uh, he, he doesn't ring a bell with me. I'm wondering if it is this, uh, Johnny Spade character that, uh, Nightwing was getting clues from earlier, or possibly, but probably not, the, uh, the female roommate. Oh, yeah, the blonde that uh, accidentally <laughs> almost killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She has different eye color, though. It yeah. just seems like whenever they introduce enough of these other characters and a villain at the same time, you know, um, the the law of you know thermodynamics for stories or whatever, you know, characters are neither created nor destroyed, they're just reused or something. I don't know. The, the, it makes me wonder. So, I will have to say that um, mm -hmm. I do like Nightwing in Chicago. Um, I was uh, at first I wasn't sold on the idea, but I like him out of Gotham. I like him to kind of have his own turf, not mm -hmm. in Batman's shadow. Um, it's kind of it's kind of refreshing, don't you think? One of the things that actually sold me on it this issue was when he was mentioning uh, having talked to Commissioner Gordon, who came from Chicago. So it's something that, like you said, gets him out of Batman's shadow, yet there's still a sense of history for the character. There mm. are a reason for Chicago, even though there are other story reasons there. Um, what this did remind me of, in a not-so-positive way, was the Nightwing series prior to the New 52, where it seemed like every other story arc he had just moved, was setting up a new uh, headquarters and stuff, getting used to the lay of the land... Uh, some of the, not the exact same story beats we got in this issue in the last, but hitting similar enough, he's got a new status quo, he's in a new place, um, that I, I mean, we've even gotten it just in this volume. You know, he had the, the let's go with the circus bit at the first story arc. The, uh, let's, uh, see if we can set up the stationary, you know, circus kind of a thing in the, uh, uh, whatever that fairgrounds was that, that he bought. Um, I would like to think they don't need to keep changing the status quo every other every story arc or every other story arc. And, I mean, this is set up where he's in Chicago for now, but doesn't feel like a permanent location for him. Well, I was kind of hoping it would be uh, up for a while. I was kind of thinking that maybe it wasn't just going to be this this story arc that, you know, the roommates were kind of a setup for like a longer term situation. I, I hope so. Because if it's only for the story arc, frankly, we're getting a little too much of them for that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the sort of thing that makes me wonder what kind of long-term direction or plan uh, the editors really have for some of these characters. I think Chicago would actually be a good location for him. Uh, like I said, I think it fits the character um, and helps set him apart from just every other Batman family character over in Gotham. And, and they refer to Chicago as a no-masks um, town. And I'm, I mean, I can't refute that, but I, I'm sure there have been other characters that have been in Chicago that are superheroes and mask-wearing superheroes. 
Um, I think there have been in the past, but I don't think we've seen any in the new 52. Ah, and is that's the reality what we're in, yeah. I was I was chalking that up to this is a, a status quo change that they're kind of putting in. I don't think Chicago was ever like Detroit where the Justice League was or, you know, uh, uh, Washington, D.C. where Wonder Woman was based for a while and other characters and stuff. Um, but it, it's interesting because they, they really set it up to where the previous masks there, whoever they were, you know, had gotten slaughtered somehow. Um, and I'm hoping we get more revelation of that in future uh, parts of the storyline. So overall, I thought it was a fun issue. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, Brett Booth's art, um, while it's technically pretty good, he seems to linger on shirtless Nightwing an awful lot, which is fine for the ladies, but, uh, you know, it gets a little boring for me. I actually showed it to my wife, a couple of the pages, and she's like, hey, low Nightwing. <laughs> so it impressed her. But, there, yeah, there's a lot of shirtless uh, shirtless shots of Nightwing for a uh, little gratuitous. That's funny. I, I hadn't really noticed it, but I, I see what you're saying. I, I have to wonder if that impacts the uh, resaleability or the prices for the original art uh, <laughs> for some quadrants and stuff. <laughs> Maybe there's a there's a market just for that. That's possible. Overall, though, I think uh, they did a good job on the art. It never got in the way of the story. It was very clear. It was good art, um, and I would like to see this art team. I'd be happy if this art team stayed on the title. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it a three for sure, a strong three. Not quite a four for me, though. That's about where I was at. It was good, but not something that really just, you know, had anything that made me think, wow, this is, you know, notably above average, if you will. It was good and well worth reading, but not something that I could point to and say, ah, yes, this is this is something more people ought to be reading just because, you know what I mean. If this, Yeah, if this was my first Nightwing, I w- it wouldn't compel me to pick up another. But if it's since it's my twentieth Nightwing, it's not going to stop me from continuing to pick up the issue. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not going to make somebody a diehard Nightwing fan in and of itself. Um, it's kind of they're going to come out of it almost in the same state they went in. I think. Mm-hmm. So nothing wrong with that. But with every comic potentially being somebody's first, they should aim a little higher than that too. Yeah. Shall we move on to our Marvel book? Sure. Yeah. This is Wolverine and the X Men number twenty nine. This is pretty much a, a done-in-one story uh, between story arcs. Um, have you been following this title? This is my first Wolverine and the X-Men um, book. I, I had never read it, and it was it was it was too far along, I thought, to jump into um, when I was back into comics again. So mm-hmm. I just I just moved moved beyond it, and uh, so this was a pleasant surprise for me. So did. Like you were talking about before with the the previously on page, did that really help you out to to know who it, the characters were? It did. It did. It gave me enough information um, to get on board quickly. Now I I didn't memorize who all these uh, kids at the academy are, uh, the jeans the Jean Grey School, but um, you know I I could I could pick up enough and flip back if I had to 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 reference it. But I just, I mean, it, I just thought it was, it was really, it was a good jumping on point. Um, uh, I love Jason Aaron and Thor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really kicking myself. Why, why didn't I go back and, and read this? Because I'm just loving what he's doing over there. So of course, uh, this, this is great. Um, there's, there's a, re- a really a lot of cool stuff in here that, um, and I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but there's some, some things I really didn't, I didn't know. His, who his sibling was, Wolverine's sibling was. I didn't know that stuff. So that was kind of 
beyond my uh, grasp. I didn't know what they were doing in that storyline. A lot of that was in the previous story arc and stuff where we got more about uh, his brother and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see where this kind of a, a story, um, done in one, in an X title, any X title, because frankly those can be pretty deep in continuity, um, and a story like this where we're taking a, a time capsule and seeing you know the, the other end of its journey 25 years hence, I mean, I liked it because there are a lot of really cool Easter eggs 25 years later. Now, whether they all pan out to, whether not all, but any of them ever pan out in any way will be surprising. But it was kind of fun just reading through of, oh, you know, I see what they're doing here. Oh, you know, just by giving this name and this look to the character, it implies it's so-and-so's kid or whatever. Yeah, the, um, yeah, the, the butterfly effect type, type of things with what, what was placed in the, it, it was good. I really, I really liked it. It was really an interesting read and, um, yeah, the now the Easter eggs. I don't know if I picked them all up like you probably did, but uh, you know it was really cool when he put everything on the wall that he pulled out of the time. I thought that was really cool, and uh, the way the aged some of the students in the yeah. the future version of the school. I thought that was really really cool, a really great twist, and and something I I really wasn't you know wasn't expecting. Um, so yeah, it, all in all, it was um a, a really good issue for me. One of the things I liked about this is a lot. most X titles just have a ton of characters kind of in every issue and filtering through every title and whatnot. But with this one, really Wolverine and only about two or three, maybe four other characters were major players in this story. Yeah. Which I think gives it a lot more accessibility. I mean, there's the splash page or the, the two-page uh, panel or whatever at the beginning where you got all the students and stuff. And there are some where you would be kind of expected or almost need to know who a lot of them were to understand part of the story. Yeah. I didn't feel any of that was really happening here. So I, I would hope it was fairly accessible. I could see where aspects of it might lack kind of a meaningful context for somebody new to the title like yourself. But it sounds like you, you enjoyed it and are, are thinking about maybe coming back either for future issues or checking out past ones. Is that true? Yeah, it was, you know, I, it was a pleasant surprise. My bar was low. <laughs> I will admit it. I, I I did not come in with any expectations. I really didn't know anything about the title, and I'm not only am I going to continue to read it after this, I'm going to go back and get those first 28 um, and work my way up as I'm also working my way forward. I mean, it was just it was it was it was well written. It was well written. And I, I really liked the guy's art. You know, it didn't get in the way, but he did some interesting things when he was uh, what's his name. Um, Ramon Perez, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when he was aging the students and the older generations, um, I thought that was really that was really kind of very good, great a great grasp of um, artistry to do that. And of course, Jason Jason Aaron, he, he's he's a great writer. So um, I'm, um, it's a it's a strong four, almost a five. Um, I didn't want to give a five on the first show, so <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a it's a, a four point nine. Or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on on board for the next one, and I'm going to go uh, try to pick up those early issues in a dollar sale or something and try to catch up. Cool. Now, I would definitely say this is a, a four out of five. They did some great stuff, and they took what I think, in the hands of some other creators, could have been just a mind-numbingly confusing potential issue where they threw a lot of ideas out and it would have almost been chaotic or whatever. Mm-hmm. This one had a, a gracefulness where 
it kept the epic scope and it felt like we were seeing a lot of this 25 year later world yet did it in a way where it wasn't the least bit overwhelming or um, inundating and stuff um, where you're kind of like trying to grasp for something to hang on to. And the one thing I, I did not, I did not get the sense that it was a one and done story. I, so I'm, I might be wrong on that. I, I actually thought this was the beginning of something new that they were, I think it's between two story arcs, and the next one's going to be uh, with the the Hellfire Academy and stuff like that. So they will probably won't reference most of the things that happened in this issue again. They they may they may not. I don't know. Okay. Um, it, it to me it was a bridging issue where the epilogue was setting up the next arc, oh. and what they had done at the beginning was kind of tying off the previous one. Um, and again, I I could be wildly mistaken about that. We'll find out in a few weeks when uh, number thirty comes out. Um. This is a Marvel Now title. Yes. Uh, well, it's 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 Marvel. It's now, so I'm not quite sure how they're. Is it shipping bi monthly? Um. Month? Yeah, it, the next one's coming out in just a couple of weeks. Okay. Um. Which I, 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 I really think they. Um. On the one hand, the faster shipping is good for story momentum and stuff. On the other hand, uh, they're just coming out with a lot of stuff really quickly. Yeah, it's four bucks. Four bucks twice a month. You know. Yeah. It's got to be it's I mean it's a good story. It's great, but it's it's going to have to maintain that now to justify for me 8 bucks a, a month. Well, exactly. And I think for people who are really loving it and stuff, you know, it's it's so much the better. For those that are are not loving it or going to get off or whatever, they're going to do that anyways. But for those on the fence, just the frequency alone could be enough to push somebody out of the title. Yeah, that's that's my sense too. It's just that Marvel's move. I think they're moving Daredevil to twice a month, and that and then it will go up to a three ninety nine price point. I don't know if that's a. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, um, I'm assuming Hawkeye's going to end up there down the road, and which is one of my favorite reads from Marvel. And I just um, I'm I'm worried. I really I really don't like the I don't like the the three ninety nine price point, and I don't like and I definitely don't like twice a month. Twice a month can work, but what I find is it seems like I'm getting hit with the title coming and going. Um, it's either I've got it this week or it was in the the week before or whatever. It almost feels like it's just, didn't I just read this title? <laughs> yeah, I just put it down and then I'm picking up the next one. So it's, uh, I mean, again, I'm not inherently against it and stuff, but I think it should be something they use a little more sparingly than they do. Because um, I, I think just between the cost... They run the risk of burning out readers faster. I mean, uh, it was Amazing Spider-Man back in the day shipped a, a couple times a month, and it was the only title that did that, right? Uh, I think it was the only one that was doing the, the thrice monthly. Yeah, well, they had three times. Yeah, they had a few that were going every other week and stuff, and they've been they've done like the every other week during the summer and stuff as far back as like the at least the 90s, if not the 80s. Um, but that would just be for the summer months or something. But now where you can get you know, 20, 25 issues a year. Um, again, it can help with the story momentum. There can be some upsides to it, but if in if you don't have the quality, if you're not keeping up the, the interest and stuff, you're just going to push people out of the title fast. I, I, I kind of get the sense that there's a bit of um, cutthroat competition. I'm sure there always has been between Marvel and DC, and Marvel saying, we're you know, people are loving our stuff. We're going to start pushing this out. So much so that they're going to have to make real hard decisions about your products, DC, and whether they're going to continue to read those if they have a finite budget for comics. Um, because, I mean, 
Mar- Marvel is just they're they're they've got a lot of hits on their hands. Seems to me. Well, I think they've got a lot fewer at the the upper upper end of the the sales spectrum, but they have enough at that higher end, if you will. They're hitting a lot of doubles. Yeah, exactly. Doubles and triples. They're not hitting the home runs. But if you get enough people on bases and you do that con- continuously, you can win the game that way. And I think you're you're very much uh, right about them trying to almost push other sales down by making people choose, well, do I get the the two X, two issues of this X book this month, or do I go pick up something else from somebody else? Exactly. Um, and it's it's a it's a viable technique. I, I'd rather you know sales be based on uh, a little bit more based on merit and stuff than just frequency. But I mean, I think Marvel's in a position where that tactic can work very well for them, better than really any other publisher out there. Yeah, and it, it is working for them. And I guess it's it's the onus is on DC to fight back with yeah. better stories and more compelling storylines to to make their stories and issues and comics um the ones that that nobody does nobody wants to put down so well and in that respect as readers we win because it's both it's pushing everybody to do better yeah but you know it's it's funny to be just a couple of months into the the marvel now stuff and be on issues you know 10 or 11 in some cases <laughs> yeah it it does it it moves the, moves them right along i mean it seemed like I blinked and I was already, you know, a story arc or two into Iron Man or something. It's like, wow. Well, shall we move on to our other title for the week? Yeah, I think we covered covered everything. This is uh, Dream Thief number one from uh, Dark Horse Comics. It's a five-issue miniseries. Now, I decided I would sample this one because the concept sounded interesting, but it also sounded like something that could be good but not to my tastes. Um, so I was a little... I don't say skeptical or hesitant going in, but um, yeah, uncertain. Should have went with your gut. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this. Did you really? I thought this was an interesting issue. I mean, it's a first issue, so it's got to go from a complete blank slate through introducing the lead character, which it did in a surprising amount of detail, and sets up his new status quo. Now, there are a lot of unanswered questions in this, but I get the basic gist of his situation clear enough to be intrigued by it while still, you know, frankly, a little puzzled by it, too. You know, what's causing it, how's it causing, but I feel like I have an an instinctual enough sense of of the the quote-unquote rules around it, if you will, whereas there have been some others where by the end of the first issue, it's like I I can kind of see where they were trying to go, but they didn't quite get there. And there were aspects where the solicit, frankly, clarified the situation a little bit more than the issue did, but not so much more than the issue did for me to be wildly disappointed by the issue. Mm. You know, I was frankly surprised how well we got to know the lead character here of uh, John Lincoln. Um, just during the course of this issue, enough so that, that it's easy to care about the situation he finds himself in. I despised him. I despised his character. I thought he was a bad boyfriend, of course. <laughs> a bad But brother. you got to know him well enough to despise him. Ah, uh, I guess. I, I didn't say he was likable. Because <laughs> you got some very valid points. I mean, there are aspects of what he does here that it's like, this is not a good person. No, no. And it's tough. He's, he was tough to root, to, to root for, and maybe that'll come down the road. Um, I mean... It, uh, I, I disliked so much about it. I, I thought the is it Jainitz? J, how do you pronounce the guy's name? The writer. 
Uh, I was going to go with Jay Nitz. Jay Nitz. I could be I wrong was, though. I thought it was muddled. Um, I I didn't. I was unclear on, you know, who who this guy is. Where where? How does he? How does he? He doesn't have a job. How does he have money? How is he hanging out in these fancy parties? And uh, I I don't really understand the the whole dream thief aspect. It didn't really even seem like dreams there at the end. It wasn't actually dreams that he was in, so I got that's the, just a metaphor for something. I got the impression when he dreams, he gets stolen, oh, and that the, the okay. mask is is stealing him, somehow taking him uh, places and doing things and stuff. Um, because I was I was, was expecting some... a little bit more literal of a dream thief. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I was too. Um, there was some nitpicky things. The the Facebook icon thumbs up. Took me completely out of the story. Okay, I can see that. I don't know why that was why the, it was almost um, Scott Pilgrimy or Zombielandish, you know, kind of wink, wink, and which worked for those movies. Don't uh-huh. wrong, but it, it, I just didn't, I didn't like that at all. And then at one point, his friend, the uh, college football player, uh-huh. um, who uh, he he calls the he, he calls the place they're at a museum. M-U-S-E-M, and I'm assuming that's a typo or some kind of cool lingo that I am not a part of. That I don't. <laughs> is that a is that a cool name jargon for a museum? No, I would think that's just a typo. I didn't even catch that. Where where did that happen? It was early on when they're at that party. Um, Interesting, because yeah, that's, that's that speaks that's, poorly of the. Uh, that's editor 101, right? Yeah. I mean, I can see how those sorts of things happen. I'm not going to say I wouldn't make those mistakes myself, but that's why you have people involved that uh, that catch those things for you. What I just, the the whole sidekick football player and his role, and and there were there were a, seemed to be a lot of sh- references to the Sugar Bowl that he played in. Um, he, he, they didn't mention it once or twice. I think they mentioned it three times, which I thought was odd and just kind of a strange mention. I don't know why that was in there. I think there was certainly a lack of subtlety in places. Uh, I mean, you bring up some very valid points. Um, those didn't really... They might be nitpicky a little bit. Well, they, they didn't really uh, come out... You know, they, I didn't pick up on those as I was reading them. What I was getting out of this is that there were aspects where the thing was... It was like a, a, a layers of an onion being revealed and stuff. It's page 11, if, if, you, if you have your issue in front of you. Yeah, I do. Top. Page. Uh, they don't have page numbers on here. Oh, I see it now. That, that is that a, is that a lingo? <laughs> no, that a typo. That's typo. Okay. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. Dark, um, no, Dark Horse is high quality in my mind. Normally, so uh, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. Sure. But it's also fair to point them out. I guess what I liked is aspects of this. They set some stuff up. They reveal a little more, and then a little bit more. It's not just like thump. Here's all the exposition at once. This is what the mask is. Boom! It's a dream thief kind of a thing or whatever. Um, there were some really cool scenes mm-hmm. that he woke up to, um, and I could see them cinematically, almost like man, if we do it, almost as if the writer is saying that this would be a great movie, a or great TV series, yeah, a great Quentin Tarantino movie or something, because these scenes were very, they 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 seem cinematic in the a few of them. There was an aspect of this that did read like a. Uh, a TV pilot or a movie or something like that. Failed screenplay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's something that I could easily see this 
as a primetime TV show. Um, whether it would last or not, it's probably sci-fi enough that it wouldn't. But yes. um, <laughs> It would get nine episodes and then have a nice cult following. <laughs> yeah, if it's lucky. <laughs> um, I was surprised and pleased by how much story, though, was in this issue. I think um, by many of today's creators, we would have gotten half of this amount yeah. of story in an issue. What was it, 28 pages, something like that? Um, I didn't count them. It may have been a little longer than... than Longer than short. Longer than normal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess what worked for me is it had an interesting and different concept. I thought the storytelling style was was pretty smooth and polished, not necessarily subtle, because you're right, there are a couple of things they did kind of, you know, repeat a few times to set up, but it didn't seem completely redundant. It seemed like each time we got a little bit more info, a little different spin on it or something like that. And I didn't have the next two issues on order, but I have added them to my DCBS order because I want to see where they go with this. I am jumping off with both feet. <laughs> it's a two for me. Um, I'm not going to read another issue. Fair enough. I mean, uh, down the down the road, I might, uh, you know, if if there's a uh, a dollar sale or something, maybe I pick one up. But uh, interesting. I mean, for me, this was a, a four. Um, now, whether I'm going to feel that way by the time issue five comes out, you know, we'll we'll see. And I think um, the the turning point for me it, it is, was you were able to interpret what was happening, what the dream thief act was actually happening. Whereas I was just not there. I, I, I was a little baffled as to what exactly was happening. I think you're further along in your interpretation of just what the what the dream thief is mm-hmm. than I am. And that's a key aspect of a first issue is selling you on the concept. And if they failed to do that, and clearly they did, yeah, I could if if I were if I came out of this really puzzled as to what the hell's going on, I'd be right there with you. Um, and I'm not going to say that I've, I have figured out what I, what's going on, just kind of what I think's going on. Um, and yeah, I've had other first issues from various, uh, publishers, um, where I felt they, they teased the concept versus really pitching and selling it. And I don't need all the answers, but I at least need to know what questions to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I could see where, where you're coming from on this, um. There were also a couple of things near the end where they did some interesting stuff with the uh, the sound effects, the wham, the slam as he's punching some people, and we see kind of a black and white, you know, other person in there, like he's somehow taken on other people's abilities or whatever. Mm, okay. So I think part of what I'm liking in this is I got enough of a sense in this issue of continued revelations that I have a strong expectation that in future issues, a lot of this will be explained, and by the time I get to the end, there will be some good payoff and a good journey. Uh, again, I could be wrong on that, but uh, again, for me, I was this. This apparently clicked a lot better with me than for you. Yeah. Um, and there are going to be things that do that in both directions. There are going to be certain things that, you know, what I like about something is going to be why you or somebody else hate it, and vice versa. Um, Which is okay. In yeah. I mean, we're we're in a golden age of there's lots of stuff out there. I mean, yeah. If you can't find something that's your niche, you aren't trying hard enough. Exactly, exactly. There's so much good stuff out there. Speaking of which, uh, have you had a chance to read anything else this week? Um, uh, Age of Ultron 8. What'd you think? Well, <laughs> it's it, it would be a cool miniseries if it wasn't already in a miniseries. That was kind of my take. 
I was I was reading it. And I thought, man, this is a really cool, interesting story, but it has nothing to do with all the Age of Ultron. It's kind of like a side. It's like Lost. That one season of Lost. I don't know if you watched the show. Oh, I did. Um, and I love that show. And then it got to this one season where they brought in new characters and they started going in a different direction. Like and third or fourth, third, third season? or fourth season. There was new yeah. characters. And they were just trying to play out the string. They were going to say, "How? Well, we've got a long way to go. We want this to be a ten season." Um, TV show, so we've got to do some things and stall. And that's the exact sense I get of, of, of this issue number eight is that, well, here's an issue that has nothing to do to move the story along for the actual miniseries that you started with. It's kind of cool, though, what's going on. It's neat. I like the alternate people and the characters and what the different team and new name and new villain. And I, I, I love it. It's really cool, but it, it just seems like a miniseries within a miniseries. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, to me, it's fun, but it's damn slow. <laughs> ten, ten issues for this is outrageous. If they had done this as like a four-week thing <laughs> in the Avenger books or something, and maybe even have them be a little extra-sized and not tell anyone or something, and it's just, you come in one month, bam, this happens, you're out, and it's like, wow, what just happened? That was amazing. Whereas here, they're just, and your, your comment about kind of lost and playing for time there is a very good one. It, it seems like they're they're on stage just tap dancing until the music runs out or something. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it's not and it's not horrible though. I mean, it's good stuff. I'm liking it. I I enjoy reading it. I but then when I'm done, I I just feel bad. I feel guilty. <laughs> I shouldn't feel guilty for reading it. It's like, what did I just waste my time on this? It, it didn't. It didn't actually say anything. It felt hollow. Yes. Yes. I I know exactly what you mean. It's, I just it's... ate an entire cake. And I shouldn't have eaten the cake. <laughs> it tasted great, but there's n yeah. you're not filled. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Uh, again, I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. It's a roller coaster ride, but man, there is no no depth to it, no substance, and I'm disappointed by that. But the end of that issue was really kind of cool. The big battle. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but that was kind of a neat. The art was really cool to see mm -hmm. that giant battle scene. And but again, yeah, it's moving slowly. It's, it doesn't make, doesn't, this, you didn't have to, you don't have to read this issue. Just, you know, throw That's it away. true of so many of them. Throw it away. Wait for nine. You don't even have to read this one. You won't miss out on anything. I, I'm really looking forward to ten to see how they, I don't want to say wrap this up, because I, I don't think it will. I think it's a launching pad for another few titles. Yeah, I'm confused on the, um, I think there's a 10 AU and then a, a then a 10 AI. Yeah. Which so I'm I not even sure how many issues are left anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, did you get uh, Doomsday Point 1? No. No, I didn't get it's that. It's a, uh, a John Byrne thing. I read the first issue. Uh, I liked it, I mean, but I'm a John Byrne fan and stuff. Uh, the question I have uh, for any listener out there who can answer, there was an older version of this, Doomsday Plus 1, back in, I think, 1975. Did that ever get collected to trade? It was 12 issues, and based on what I'm seeing on like mycomicshop.com and stuff, and the individual issues are more expensive than I'd like to pay, hence it hasn't been collected, but it almost seems like issues 7 through 12 reprint 1 through 6. So I'm, I'm a little puzzled by the older series, and I guess I'm just wondering, is it worth getting? And if so, is there an affordable you know, uh, way to, to do so? Um, but again, I like the, the current first issue of 4. Um... One of the things Dynamite's doing that is, is just mind-boggling to me 
second issue of Mark Wade's Green Hornet uh, came out this week. Oh, okay. As did the 36th issue of the previous Green Hornet series, which is now Green Hornet Legacy, which was what had been the Kevin Smith Green Hornet series. Releasing both of these, just having two competing versions of the Green Hornet going at once strikes me as odd and questionable. Dynamite, or Dark Horse is doing that with the Star Wars. It's very confusing when you look (sighs) at the rack. There's 17 different Star Wars simultaneously being released, and... But they at least have different names on them? Underneath the actual Star... They're all Star Wars something, though. True, but this... Both of these on the cover are just Green Hornet. Oh, that's even worse. So, in in the same week, it's like, come on, guys. And yet, not even space it out to uh, (laughs) an every other... A week or something. If you it, really like Green Hornet, well, in a couple of weeks there'll be another one. Yeah. Why both. Why, why would they? Why would you want to cannibalize the other sales? Doesn't make it, any sense. It's it's feast or famine. Get two or nothing. You know. <laughs> uh fourth issue of Justice League of America's Vibe came out. I'm thinking that's a really underrated series. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Have you been reading that one? I um, have number one sitting in my nightstand. It um, has never made it to the top of the pile yet. Interesting. Okay, if it does, uh, let me to, know. I want to read it. I just haven't got, got there yet. Let's see, what else? Uh, Legion of Superheroes 20, that's a title it will be ending soon. I can kind of understand why. Going to be sorry to see it go, though. I'm a big Legion fan. Oh, okay. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 20. If people want backstory on these characters, this issue has it. Um, did some interesting stuff with those uh, characters. We're going to see where, where it kind of plays out. I jumped off that title. I can understand that. That was one I was surprised they launched to begin with. Um, and the fact that it, it seems to be doing all right so far um, uh, pleases me, but but surprises me. What's the sales on that? Um, I would have to pull up that spreadsheet, but it has not been near the bottom of the list, so it's never been one of those where whenever I look for the next six or whatever, I think will go away. Something under 20,000? It's, no, it's usually above that. It's, it's, it's not been low enough down that I think it'll be the next couple of ones on the chopping block. Um, but I'd have to, again, pull it spreadsheet up and stuff. Um, it's not like top of the charts either, but it's, it's selling well enough. Uh, it's, I, if I had to guess right now off the top of my head, I'd say more in the 20 to 30 range, uh, 30,000 range. Um, but again, I, I'd have to go look. Um, I'm really enjoying the dynamic they're setting up between Supergirl and Power Girl over in Supergirl, uh, that title. Uh, that's got some fun stuff. Mm. Um, the last issue or two I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, and Sword of Sorcery number eight, that was the final issue of that title, which is kind of too bad. I was really enjoying that series. Uh, whether we see some of those characters again or not, who knows. Are you still all in on DC? Oh, yeah. I am uh, still, uh, for the new 52. I mean, I'm not getting, like, everything DC publishes. Uh, I'm, I'm much lighter in, like, the Vertigo area and a few others. But, yeah, I'm still getting all the new 52. And you're all in on Marvel? Um, I believe so. There may be one or two. Uh, no, I guess Morbius I'm still getting because it was on the DCBS uh, stuff. But yeah, I'm still all in there. That's cool. Um, and, and speaking of, of Marvel, um, X-Factor, uh, 256, definite status quo change for a couple of people. Um, based on solicits, I'm starting to wonder if this title is going to be winding down soon. I thought I read something about Peter David's last arc in that title. I heard the same thing. All right, that's, that's, uh... That's too bad. Well, on the one hand, it's too bad. On the other hand, I'm curious what Peter David's going to do next because he's a, a, a fun writer. To I am pretty sure it's ending. That's, that's it's ending with his run, and then whether it gets relaunched as a as a renumbered number one with Peter David or or without, I don't think is known yet. 
Interesting. Well, wherever he goes, either onto a, a revamped version of this title or other X title or any other title, uh, I, I usually follow what he writes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff he's done over the years that I've been really impressed with. Others, oh, yeah, it's okay. Um, but uh, he's he's a, a writer to watch. Uh, and then one thing that that kind of gets me: um, Ultimate Comics uh, Spider-Man number twenty-three. They did a couple of major things uh, to the character and his little life and stuff last few issues. This one takes place a year later. You're in a shared universe, skipping over a year. What the hell, guys? It's like, come on, you know, other stuff was happening in this universe for a year. And that the whole, you know, civil war and reunification of the country and all that stuff that we're seeing over in Ultimates and Ultimate X-Men and stuff, not really mentioned in this title. If you're going to have a shared universe, have a shared universe. If you're not, you're not. It's a good story, but I'm really questioning if they've got a game plan for the Ultimate Universe or not these days. So it's, uh, it's puzzling. I think it's um, heyday is is definitely over. Maybe they could revitalize it, but it, it seems like that's past. It, it seems like they're using it to tell stories that they can't in the main Marvel Universe, which basically means anyone where they want to, you know, break up the country and reunify it, go flood New York City and unflood it, go, you know, kill somebody off and unkill them off or whatever. Almost like it's a... Uh, testing ground of some sort, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So those were, were the things that kind of popped for me this week as, uh, as interesting. Did you read uh, Walking Dead 110? I did. I did. I, uh, I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Um, and and sometimes I have a love hate relationship with Walking Dead. I, you know, Walking Dead is what got me back into comics mm-hmm. after a long hiatus. So I have a really, you know, I'm kind of, I have this, uh, this love and affection for Kirkman because you know he was pounding the he was pounding the drums for local comic shops and getting you know going back into those local comic shops to get the walking dead you know that's going to that's on your tv screen you know he was he yeah. was pounding that drum and and it worked for me you know i you know i started reading the back the, the trades and and then started getting it on my, uh, started a pull list for it so i love walking dead love it and this was but some of the some of the individual issues are just you know, they make Age of Ultron look like uh, War and Peace, you know? They're, well, it, it's they're really funny. thin. There's nothing going on. But this one was a good one. It's funny because, you know, going back to our, our discussion a little bit ago about, you know, the, the biweekly shipping or whatever, that's something that I think Kirkman, if he were to do, would really work. Yeah. It was great when, when those uh, five or six, seven issues that were leading up to 100, mm-hmm. when he was, um, they were every two or three weeks, weren't they? I forget. Um, yeah, but it was great. And I, that's where I think that's where it should be. But I, I mean, he's busy. <laughs> he's busy, but when he gets on a roll, he does some really good stuff. But there yeah. are other times where it feels like the title is is coasting a little bit, but it's 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 literally like a roller coaster in so much as there are a couple where he's got to set some stuff up, build, go up that steep, you know, up ramp for it to then go into that free fall on the other side and just spin us around for a while. Um he is a very Interesting writer in so much as I think he's very aware of the reader's experience on the title mm-hmm. and toys mercilessly with the reader expectations. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, you know, that's that's what he's supposed to be doing, and he's good at it. Yeah, he yeah. really, this issue really made uh, Ezekiel, you know, yeah. I didn't care for him the first issue he was introduced, but, I, I, uh, you know, he, he really came around in this issue, and... I love, you know, there was a there was a one of the letter hacks in the back with with the the readers write in. They they had nailed it. They had guessed 
the all of Ezekiel's backstory from that first issue, and which I thought was very cool. And then Kirkman did a a, a nice shout out to that mm-hmm. to that reader for 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 being able to uh, to hit those and things like that are are really you know it keeps you coming back. Yeah, that stuff. Although you know, I I, I Charlie Adler's art for me sometimes. I mean, the covers are just phenomenal. I love the covers, but sometimes Carl and Maggie look like the same person. Do you get that sense sometimes when you're flipping through? Sometimes there's also an aspect where because it's black and white, they don't have the colors to help, you know, differentiate the characters or what they're wearing and stuff like that. Um, I think there are a couple of things that could be done to uh, jog reader memory, help differentiate who's who and stuff a little better. And part of it is it's also got a really big cast. Yeah. yeah. And some of them fade into the background for a bit and then come back out. It's... It's interesting because, like, you know, this one, Ezekiel got some, some really good screen time and some, some you know, uh, development and stuff like that. But I could easily see where we could go, you know, half a dozen issues without really seeing much of him and then, boom, he's back in the spotlight again or something. Yeah. So it's easy to, to lose track of, okay, now who is this one again? Uh, particularly for me since I'm reading a ton of other stuff. Um, now, with superhero comics, the shortcut, the, the cliff notes they can use is, well... You know, the, the big colorful costumes, you know, and things like that, um, are just a shorthand. It's easy to, to recognize Batman. Whereas <laughs> yeah. it's not as always to recognize Bruce Wayne. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, the, he, he blends in too sometimes. He's, he's not drawn as distinctly as Batman. Nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, Kirkman's doing some good stuff. Um, I think, I, I hope he doesn't spread himself too thin just with overseeing some of the other titles in the, the Invincible Universe and stuff like that. Um, is is the Wolfman thing still happening? No, that that ended a while that, ago. That ended. So it's Invincible. Invincible, Invincible Universe. Thief of but he doesn't really write Thief of Thieves. He's uh, he, kind of story edits or... He co-writes. I don't know what level he's doing on that. Um, and then he's also got Super Dinosaur. And I was thinking there was one other title. I could be wrong. I've lost track. He's doing He's doing quite a bit. Yeah. Plus he's that whole publisher over at Image thing that's got to eat up a little time. I would think it would, yes. So, anything else? Does that pretty much do it? Yeah, I'm, I'm behind. I got to catch up. So, <laughs> I, I I work very hard to stay current every week because otherwise I will get way behind real quick. Yeah. And uh, come Comic Con and stuff like that, there's going to be a couple of weeks where I'm going to be. Yep, I've read what we were talking about, and that's about <laughs> it. And that's it. Could get back to you later. <laughs> so, 